Thank you for waiting. We're now boarding all passengers on No Blackout Dates Airlines. All aboard No Blackout Dates to... Wait. Where the hell are we going? No Blackout Dates. Zero Blackout Dates. Good to see you. Good to see you. How you going? Not for nothing, really and truly, all day long, like 7-Eleven. Where is Chlamydia Girl now? I'm not a tram stamp kind of guy. It was in Puerto Rico at like three in the morning. I feel the way about bacon that Ron Swanson feels about bacon. What's up, everyone? How you doing? Glad to see you. Happy you're with us for this episode of No Blackout Dates. We've got a pretty, pretty, pretty good one for you today. I'm Evan. And I'm Tim. And Melanie Sutra Thada is with us. She's an actor, host, content creator. She's been on Good Morning America, The Today Show. And yes, she is an influencer. She'll be helping us peel back the mysterious curtain of Instagram influencing, that job we all wish we had, even if we don't want to actually admit it. I met Melanie on a press trip to Panama City Beach last year, you know, when the, uh, world was actually normal and she's been gracious enough to join us today. But first, Tim, how are you, buddy? What is new in the life of Tim Winger? Everyone is dying to know. Well, last weekend I was out on a bike packing trip and did from my house out to near the Utah border. I'm in Palisade. I rode 76 miles round trip in about a day and a half. So it's basically an activity that I'm completely physically incapable of doing. I mean, you say that you're a pretty fit dude. You know, it, it does take a bit of cardio. But the actual biking of it is not that bad. It was pretty flat. Tim, I haven't biked seriously since I had a paper route. So I don't know. I think you might be overestimating my uh, biking ability. Yeah, well, maybe we'll have to do a, a crash course. We'll do an intro, Evan intro to bikepacking. You camped this summer for the first time, so. I did camp for the first time, yeah. Tim took me camping for the first time in my life. It took me 29 years to go camping. And at 29 years in a pandemic. Thoughts on my first experience ever, Tim. Speak as my as like my camping supervisor. What grade do you give me? So I'd give you a B, and the only reason I wouldn't give you an A is because you didn't sleep in the tent. Some some might say that if you don't sleep in the tent, you don't really camp. And by some, I mean everyone I told about this experience. They're wrong. Actually, my wife and I camp all the time, and we almost always sleep in the back of our truck unless we're backpacking. Then you have then you're in a tent for sure. But it's more about the fact of getting out there than it is about what you do or how you sleep. I've, I've felt attacked. I'm not going to lie. I mean, use this as a forum, as a safe space. We didn't have a fire. We didn't make a fire. We didn't do burgers. We made a, a kick-ass frozen pizza on uh, Tim's grill and uh, crushed sake and white claws. That's camping to me. That's how I define camping. Nope. No camp shaming. Tim was a good camping guide. So for anyone who has never been camping before and wants to, uh, you can hit up Tim morning, noon, or night, and he will take you camping literally whenever you want. He'll cook you pizza. He'll let you sleep in his truck. But anyway, we're going to uh, get into it with Melanie pretty soon. She's going to be talking about all things influencing, including how you even get 180,000 people to f care about you online. And I mean, Tim, I think you're going to learn a lot from this because you're not the biggest social media guy, right? Might be the least influential person I've ever met. And I obviously say that with love. You know, this is the thing. I don't know if I'm not a social, I'm not, not a social media guy. I just have 
a perspective that is jaded because a few years ago I had it in my head that I was going to use my social accounts to accent my writing and accent my, my public persona as you will. But it came down to me not wanting to put the effort into it and, and deciding that I don't care enough to try. And so because of that, I developed this kind of negative outlook on the influencers that have been successful at doing that. But what I learned from Melanie more than anything is that there's so much going into the behind the scenes of what it takes to do that, that who the hell am I to judge? There's nothing more humbling than trying to get followers, doing all the hashtag stuff, you know, filtering your photo, making it look just right, coming up with a clever caption, thinking, all right, I'm just going to wait for the likes to pour in. This is it. This is it. And then you get fucking... 20 likes, no, you lose, lose three followers. No one cares. But I mean, the thing about it is that with somebody like Melanie, who has an entire career, is an actor, is a writer, has a blog, has done all of these things, that social media is just the kind of bridge between the public and her work. And she's able to optimize that uh, to get her message across and to reach a lot of people in the process. And I think that that is the value in influencing and in, in quote unquote influencing and in, in social media as a whole. And Melanie has done a great job of bridging that gap. Yeah. Well, we've never influenced anyone in our lives and uh, that's uh, probably for the best. So let's talk to someone who has Melanie. Welcome to the show. Yes. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Tim and I are very non-influential people, so we're excited to hear from you about uh, about influencing. Do you prefer influencer or does that word make you cringe a little bit? I think the difference for me is that I also am an on-air host and I'm an actor, so I go with content creator just because it sounds a little less douchey. All right, fair enough. So how did you decide you wanted to get into this in the first place, uh, being a content creator? How did you, how'd you build your audience? You know, I, I, I'm very fortunate that... Um, I, I think I've made a business out of just being like a nice person and just making like casual recommendations to people. So I get a lot of people who ask me, they're like, oh, I saw that you went to say Panama City Beach. And they're like, oh, what did, what did you like to do? Um, because I think you'll, you'll look up something, you'll look up like best things to do in Panama City Beach and you'll see like this list of things that no real person in your age range actually wants to go to. Or you'll see things that, you're like, okay, that sounds kind of fun, but really isn't what I want to do. So when people ask me about things, I'm like, oh, well, here's something that was really colorful. Here's where you can get like the best suites. Here's where you're going to get the best deal. And I'm really talking to like the woman between like 18 to 25, lots of like college educated, but still young. Like we don't have a ton of money to spend, but what we do spend, we want to spend on something that is going to be really exciting and memorable. So I think of like, okay, well, maybe I'm going to splurge on a helicopter ride, even though they're not the best for the environment, sorry, environment, but I might say like, oh, I'm going to splurge on an, a great helicopter ride opposed to going out to dinner, you know, to a really nice dinner every single day that I'm on the trip. It's like, what are you willing to splurge on and what are going to be memories versus what's going to be like just cool for the gram? What would you say is your main focus? Is it you know, travel, fashion, lifestyle? You kind of do a bunch of things. What's, what's one thing you would like to focus on more? You know, I have to say the travel, the, the travel portion is hands down my favorite. I mean, who doesn't want to do that? Um, it's kind of like the dream. And so I'm really grateful that that's an opportunity that I have. Um, I do love, love, love the travel space because you actually get to really enjoy and you get to meet so many people from different walks of life. 
you know, I think, I think when we do get back to traveling, we, everyone's going to want to do those big bucket list things because it's, there's always this idea of like, oh, well, there'll be time for it later. We'll figure it out later. And then later never really comes. And you realize, you know, 10 years down the road, you're like, oh, I kept saying I was going to do that thing. And then you never did the thing. So, so what, in the absence of travel over the last several months, what has been filling that void for you? You know, I, I think the biggest void filler is Netflix. Fair enough. A lot of Netflix. And I uh, made way too many loaves of banana bread that no one wanted to eat, including me. Um, but I think it's been a really interesting time in the way that during this pandemic, you really see what is a priority for you and what isn't. Going into this year, I had this sort of motto that like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Because so often in our lives, we find ourselves saying yes to opportunities because we say, oh my gosh, like, what if this doesn't happen again? Or like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. Or we, we say yes to things that we're not really interested in, but we're like, eh, why not? And now we see that there were a lot of things we said yes to that we didn't really care about. And so this pandemic has really shown me what my priorities are, what I want and what I don't want. And so it's become so apparent to me, especially in the past few months, that travel is such a huge part of of what I want to do and who I want to become. And I love, I love that we've had this time to really think. Not that we like had a choice. There was, there was either to think about it or just be sad and wallow, which I think everyone should do. Yeah. Let yourself feel all the feelings and then figure out what your next step is. Well, and that's the thing that really sucks about the quarantine period is that that sense of unpredictability, you know, waking up every day and like not knowing how your day is going to end, going out and not knowing you know, where you're going to end up or who you're going to meet, that's all gone. And then not knowing when that's going to start again, I think is the hardest part. I 100% agree. I always thought that I thrived in the continuous, like in the schedule. I love a good schedule and that is wonderful, but life is not a schedule, you know, like that isn't, that isn't where the magic happens. That's not where you, you find something and you're like, this was the one of the coolest experiences of my life. Like that moment, um, during that snowstorm under the Northern lights that happened because I went to a travel conference a couple years ago and I met up with these guys, um, from high on life. They're like an awesome YouTube channel, amazing humans. So I met them and they were just like, you're really cool. And like, so chill. Like, do you want to go on this night hike with us? And I was like, I don't think you're murderers. So like, my answer is going to be, yeah. Like, that sounds great. And then I, I, I think about that moment, like that Iceland adventure all the time. And, you know, it was with these people who were very much strangers, um, but it was such a memorable, like once in a lifetime thing. And you only get those things when you step out of your comfort zone. And so many of us, I feel like we're different when we travel. Like I'm less willing to bend and be flexible when I'm home. But when I, when I travel, I'm suddenly like, oh, you want to go? to Tootsie's at two in the morning. Like, okay, that sounds good. You want to go on a night hike? Cool. Um, let's run on the beach. Okay. Like I think the types of people we become when we travel, like those are the type of people we should be all the time. Yeah. It's like that Jim Carrey movie, the yes man, where he just has to say yes to everything. I feel like all of us are going to turn into that once the quarantine is over and everything's normal. And we're just going to say yes to anything that like gives us the opportunity to leave our house or, you know, press trips in our case, when you take them, do you prefer individual or group trips? Most of them are group trips. Um, I think there is something really wonderful about them. I used to only like the individual ones because then I was like, I can do whatever I want. But there are the group trips 
for press trips that are so fun because you're really pushed to do things that maybe wouldn't be on on your your you know your normal schedule. The thing I think I remember most about the Panama City beach trip was going to Cece's Pizza. <gasps> we went to Cece's Pizza. Yeah, well the funny thing was the trip was for a food festival the uh, unwind food festival in pcb mm-hmm. and they were all of these like locally famous uh, chefs uh, from all over the south and they it's set up in this park i think it was supposed mm-hmm. to be we're supposed to be there at four o'clock um all these fancy hors d'oeuvres very very nice but the problem was for me the hotel that we were in was right next to a cc's pizza and, I had ne- and yeah. i'd never you'd mm-hmm. never been either right yeah. And I've seen commercials for it all the time, but we don't have it in Boston. So I think I was with you and Charlotte and I was like, oh my God, they have a CC's. Yep. Like we have to get CC's. <laughs> and Charlotte, who's like so nice, she's the, the uh, PR rep on our trip, was like, oh yeah, you, we can go to CC's if you want. Sure. And I we was did. like, oh no, like we don't, we don't have to go. And she's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. We have time. And I was like, okay, all right. Uh, sure. Twist my arm. Like we'll go to CC's pizza. And I think I was the only one that actually ate Oh, I had, uh, I had, I had brownies. Oh, you had the brownies, I had brownies. right. I needed that. So they I didn't, were fire. They were I so didn't good. realize it was all you can eat pizza. That's bad news for me because I have zero self-control. Zero, honestly. I will eat until I make myself sick. Basically, So I'm yeah. just stuffing my face with pizza, which honestly isn't even good. No. Like, it's not good. The pizza is awful. <laughs> Meanwhile, we have to be at the food festival in like a half hour. I'm stuffed. We get to the food fest and people are like, are you okay? Like, you're not eating anything. This is a food fest. Like, well, you, you good, dude? I'm like, ah, oh, I can't, can't even think about it. I'm uh, too stuffed on CC's. It also, Tim, for reference, it also didn't help that Eben was burned. He was so sunburned <laughs> oh, yeah. and you were like bright red. So he's bright red, like is holding on to his stomach because he just ate a bunch of buffet CeCe's pizza. And then we're like in front of, you know, <laughs> we're in front of like a really posh crowd. And then there we are sunburned and filled with like $5 pizza. It was beautiful. It was easily the most sunburned I've ever been in my entire life. I, I still have a photo from that. It's a photo of all of us sitting on a couch. And um, everyone looks good yeah. and tan. And there I am looking like I need like medical attention. My skin is like like when Voldemort touches Harry Potter's face and it just like burns. Like that was my whole body. Just an absolutely abysmal performance by me on all levels. Tim, I will send it to you um, because it is important to the story. It just is not... It's not a good look. It's great. You know, because I, I feel like CeCe's Pizza is like the super salad of pizza places. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Super Salad, but it's like $6 all-you-can-eat buffet pizza salad. I don't even think they're around anymore, but when I was a kid, I loved that place. So, Tim, have you been to CeCe's Pizza? I have, yeah. Oh, you're a class They, they have CeCe's Pizza in Colorado. This episode not sponsored by CeCe's Pizza. <laughs> Yeah. But can we make that happen? <laughs> I mean, I did say it sucked, so I don't know if they want. But you know, if they're if they're open to it, then I'm down. And we would be shunned, I think, from any type of foodie circle if we got a if we accepted a CC's sponsorship. Oh, we'd be fired from Matador but, for sure. Hey, yeah, <laughs> but honestly, but I, their brownies were fire. I loved those. Those were really good. The desserts were okay. Good, good cinnamon yeah, sticks. I'll say that. I'll give them I that. I was smart, and I only ate the desserts. And I I watched Evan eat all of these different types of pizza, and I just kind of was like. This is the choice. This is what we're doing. It was great. So on that note, Melanie, tell us a little bit about 
how you select the brands that you're working with or how you select the partners that you're going to work with on a project or maybe even a film project that you're working on? What are you looking for when somebody pitches you something? That's a really great question. Um, so everything that I do, I, I, I want it to fall into one of three buckets. So if I am working on a project, whether it's, uh, whether it's like a press trip or like a hotel partnership or, a a film, it has to fall into one of the three buckets. One is I have to absolutely love it. So if it's a script, I have to be like, oh my gosh, this is one that I am just obsessed with. Or if it's a trip, I'm like, okay, Iceland, oh, I would love to go to Iceland. Or like if it was like Sweden or the Amazon, hell yeah, I would want to go. So if it's not something I absolutely love, it's got to be great for the resume. So maybe it's this podunk place in the, in the middle of a place where I have to sleep in a tent. Although I like tents, tents are cool. I'm all about that life, but maybe it's like one of those things where I'm like, it's very met, but it's a great company to work with who would have lots of connections. Or I'd be able to say like, Oh, I worked with this, this so-and-so person and it got me featured here. I'm like, great. So if it's not something I love or if it's not a great resume builder, then it's got to pay a shit ton of money because if you don't love it, and it's not great for your resume, at least by making that money, it'll allow you to do those project, those passion projects that you're obsessed with, or it'll allow you to take on those projects that don't pay much or that, you know, that you don't love, but are going to be great for your resume. So like as an actor, there was one project where, um, it was called can't get right. And it was one of my favorite projects of all time. It didn't pay anything. Um, sorry if I'm revealing things. No, but go ahead. Keep it honest on this. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't pay anything, but it, it was a killer script. I got to pay, play this really bubbly kind of borderline line, psychotic, a little bit undercover um, camp counselor, which is very much up my alley because I just, um, I like to say that I'm a, a little bit Leslie Nope meets like Kimmy Schmidt minus the whole bunker part. So it was very much up my alley. And we got to film in the middle of the woods for two weeks. And that is like, that's like all the things that I want. Like I, I took morning runs around the lake and I would wake up and like the birds would be chirping. I had my own cabin, but again, it didn't pay anything, but because I had worked on projects, you know, a month or so beforehand that paid well, I was able to afford to go and do this passion project that I loved and also came up with like really great footage for my reel. So if it's not something that is going to pay you well, it's not something that you love and it's not something that's great for your resume, don't do it. What, so how much would it take for you to promote a product that you absolutely didn't believe in, like that you hated? Oh, and man. Like, and I know you want to oh, do, you know, do right by your followers and you know, be authentic, but putting all that aside, like <laughs> if a brand gave you like $20,000 and they're like, Melanie, yeah. listen, we want you to post a picture with um, uh, Tim, what's, what's a super embarrassing product? If Evan came out with a hair styling gel, how much would he have to pay you to promote Any, it? Ooh. Yeah, but it like well. made your hair fall out and it, it just made everyone bald within like a ooh. week. But yeah. you know, you have yeah, to promote if, it. If if and the sell it. <laughs> the list of side effects is longer than the list of ingredients. That sounds great. I mean, I don't understand the problem. I want I would there I would just go. volunteer to talk about that. That sounds great. Well, there we go. <laughs> I mean, Evan, this product, please tell me more. Um, I've been really grateful that I think if people look at like my content and they go to my website, like you get a pretty good feeling for like who I am. Hopefully, hopefully I say that now people are gonna send me like porn websites. Don't do that, please don't. Um, although I will take a CC's pizza sponsorship. 
Hashtag not sponsored by There CC's we go. Stuff. And on the record, <laughs> non-fan of CC's, hates CC's, <laughs> she thinks it's trash, is now offering to promote CC's. So we, we're already starting I'm, you down that slippery slope. But honestly, truth. Um, I'm really fortunate that the majority of the brands that reach out to me are very similar to what I um, what I would naturally talk about. Um, I do have a big rule, especially when it comes to anything that you're ingesting or putting on your body, like a hair product. I need to test it out for a full 30 to 60 days before I even agree to become a partner. At the end of the day, it's all about being a real person because if you talk about something and then, you know, a hundred people go out and buy that and it has really negative side effects, that's on you because, I mean, we can't, we can't just be talking about things because you make money from it. I don't think that it doesn't feel good. And also you want to be able to have that sort of trust. Um, so there's not really a price. I have, I have been offered projects on like vibrators and like birth controls. And I'm like, all right, guys, I'm, I like to talk about ice cream. Like I love me some Yasso and ooh, let's talk about like Hanes bras and underwear because they make you feel confident about yourself like that's more of my jam um I also have I'm really fortunate that I have a fantastic management team who really vets a lot of these projects and they say okay well you know we did something similar with this brand and like if we talk if we work with this company then it does kind of conflict or they say like okay well you know, the money isn't there and I know you like the product. So like, but I think it's worth it because then we can do a longer term partnership, which will be more profitable, but also will le- will lend more to your legitimacy. Um, I really don't think that there is like a price unless it's like a million dollars and I'm so sorry, but yes. Boom, there we yes. go. <laughs> or like a lifetime supply of ice cream. Like, cool, I am down. Or bacon. I love, I'm like, I feel the way about bacon that Ron Swanson feels about bacon. Like Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, like we are kindred spirits. Now are all influencers, do you think doing that, uh, testing out a product for 30 to 60 days or are some ethical boundaries being blurred? I know you can't speak for the whole community, but you know, is everyone as ethical as you are? That is a great question. And I can hands down tell you the answer is no. Um, because one of my things is, um, one of, I've had many, I've had many past lives. Um, and one of those was I did influencer marketing for brands. So I was on the other end where I was putting together these pitch decks saying like, these are the types of influencers I want. This is, these are the types of deliverables I'm expecting. And also I helped drop to draw up contracts and big, big, big influencers. We're talking like multi millions. Um, they said yes to beauty campaigns. They said yes to like three month ambassadorships for projects for uh, products that they had never tried before. That I know for a fact they had never tried because the products were brand new. A, a girl who was really sweet, um, and she was actually promoting these flat tummy tees that I'm sure you've seen all over Instagram. There's like lots of flat tummy tees that girls are like, "Oh my gosh, I had this one tee, and now I lost like 15 pounds." And we were shooting on the beach, like we were, we were at the beach, and she wanted to do like a sponsored ad photo there. And she filled up her, I saw her take her water bottle, like the flat tummy tea water bottle. She filled it with ocean water. And she's like, I've never even had these teas. And I was like, your thing is literally filled with ocean water. She's like, yeah, no one cares. They just want to see me in a bikini. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. And so I, that's not to say that every, every content creator or influencer is like that. But I think it's also this feeling of the more sponsorships and paid campaigns you have, the more you feel like you've made it, which I get. Um, 
I think I, I look at it a little bit differently because I come, I come from the corporate world. So what's the middle game though? So if you're starting out as an influencer or as a content creator, pretty much in any space, it's the same in, I found in writing, but I think a lot of the ways that people get that first few dollars in their pocket or that first couple of pieces in their resume is by taking a project that they're not stoked on or that they might not even want their name on necessarily, but they have to do it. So what what's the middle game there? Like, How do you get from having 2,000 followers to having 100,000 while maintaining your values? Yeah, I think that is such a great question. And I just posted photos that I took on my phone or like my digital camera. Um, and I would just, I was just figuring out what I liked and what I didn't like. And I think that's what, it, that would be like my number one tip to start with what you have, where you are. Cause when I started, I had, I remember I had it, I had a little digital camera that I literally set up one day on a trash can and I put it on self timer and I ran and took a picture and right after the picture was taken, the the camera fell into the trash can. And I had to, <laughs> oh man, that was, that was a fun time. But I, I used what I had. And maybe, I mean, again, was not a cute time, but that's how I learned. I learned like, oh, this is how you start to use your manual settings. Or like, this is how you start to pose. Oh, these are the types of places that look really good and that are appealing to me. And that I think other people would like, um, you don't, I think so many of us wait until we think we're going to be like ready. Cause we're like, Oh, well I'll just have like this really nice DSLR camera and like the perfect lighting. And I'll have like a photographer boyfriend and I'll have this perfect outfit. And I, the real reality of it is like, life is not perfect and it's never just going to happen. Like it's only going to happen if you make it happen. The next obvious question here then is, does it ever get less awkward taking selfies in front of a bunch of people? <clears throat> That is a great question, Tim. The answer is no. Um, That's what I, I thought. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I think you have a little less shame in it. You're like, I I mean, I used to just be really embarrassed. But also now, <laughs> I mean, I, I should probably be more embarrassed. But I've also seen many a people like hop on a chair to do like an overhead shot of food and like leaning over the food. I'm, it's pretty common for me to go out to eat with like other content creators and like the food is cold by the time you eat it because everyone has to get a photo. Um, but I think the best balance is, and I think Evan can speak to this with me because he's, he's seen me do this process. It's like you go and you get your shot, whatever you need, and then you put your camera away or your phone away, and then you just enjoy being there. Yeah, the PCB trip was actually the first press trip I did where influencers and writers were combined on the same trip. Usually they kind of keep them apart. But it worked out well, I thought. I think we were really lucky on our trip that we had a really great group, group of people overall. Um, because I have been on trips where it's the complete opposite, where the whole time, it's honest, honestly, it's always, it's always women. Um, the whole time, women are just like off by themselves, not talking with the group, just, you know, talking to their camera and doing stories, which I get it because it's your business. But I think one of the things that I realized um, through travel is, again, it's all about the people and it's all about those relationships because Evan and I met a year and a half ago. And like, even though we don't talk frequently, I still like adore him. And when I see him pop up in my feet, I'm like, yes, Evan, yay. Um, and so many opportunities came out from that, just from going to that trip to PCB. Just the thought of Evan on a foodie press trip is hilarious to me and to anybody else at Matador Network for sure. <laughs> yeah, normally I would have felt out of place, but I don't think there were any dedicated food bloggers on that trip to make me realize how unrefined my palate is. 
which is kind of funny because it was a food-based trip. Oh, you're right. There's always the high drama blogger. Always the high drama blogger. No, that was me, Tim. I was the high drama blogger. Yeah, you were definitely high drama. Yeah. I was the one demanding pizza buffets and, and aloe. Oh, you were so red. How did it get to that point? Even on just that, that on PCB's press trip, the airport lost my... I, oh, I yeah, they lost your luggage. Carry on. Yeah, yeah. I, I only travel with the carry-on, but I always, in my... um. And like my, my shoulder bag, I keep like my camera and my laptop and like just basic essentials. But they made me check my carry on because the flight was full. And so we got there and the trip was, I think, maybe four or five days. It was it was kind of like a longer trip. And so I didn't have any of my clothes or anything except for my camera, like my phone charger, like some face wash and my laptop for like the first four until like the second to last day, like my, my luggage was like, we no one knew where it was. They had no clue. But I think the key was like, I was like, I could be in a really shitty mood and just like complain. Or I was like, well, this is what's happening. And I just went to Target and I was like, I'm going to buy a bathing suit from Target and just wear, I'm going to figure this out. And we still had such a good, we had such a good time. So I may have misunderstood, but you said you only travel with a carry-on bag and they lost your carry-on? Yeah. So they made me check it. And just like, at, you know, when you get to, uh, when you go, when you're at your gate waiting and like, then they're like, oh, sorry, flight's full. And this is also why you, maybe you need to have like a bitch, like a resting bitch face in general. I don't have that. Um, and so they're like, we're looking for volunteers to check their bag. And I was like, don't make eye contact. Don't look. And they're like, you in the purple. And I was like, oh no. I mean, yeah, Melanie, on that first day when your uh, luggage was lost, I was like, this girl is in a wildly good mood for someone who just lost all of her shit. I would be personally impossible to be around if that was me, but you handled it well. I think there is that. I've, I've always been told this like weird thing with travel where it's like, don't ever travel with anything you're not willing to lose or like willing to be without. And I was like, I don't like that, but I, I think it's kind of true. Things go missing. Like your bag actually gets your bag accidentally ends up on the wrong train and you just, it's gone. Um, that's hap- that has happened to me before where like, just, you know, I left a jacket here, someone else grabbed, or I, I traveled with a black bag and someone took it and they didn't return it. And I was like, okay, well now my things are gone. Damn. Well, that is a pretty good transition to our next segment, which is listener stories. We put out a call for submissions for your craziest, funniest travel stories. And we picked the best one and we're going to have you read it Right now, Melanie, if you don't mind. Oh, I get to really read this? You get to read it. I'm so excited. Also, I I think I've had like too much pizza today because I'm like way more excited about things than I probably should be. Yeah, well, I've had almost no pizza today, so don't really want to hear about it. Yeah, you need to get your life together. I'm sorry. Okay, well, let's stop making me hungry and start embarrassing this anonymous listener. From a 26-year-old female food influencer in Los Angeles. Last summer, I was on a group press trip in Costa Rica with about 12 other people, mostly other influencers and photographers. One of the photographers was this hot Swedish guy who also happened to live in LA. And one night, we got super drunk at the hotel bar and hooked up in his room. Girl, yes! Sorry, side note. The next morning, we were all supposed to meet in the lobby for a paddleboard excursion, and we casually walk up shamed our way in a half hour late. Needless to say, the group was not impressed. If that wasn't bad enough, a few weeks later, I learned I had chlamydia. Oh, girl? Oh, no. I'm so sorry. 
Now, back in LA, I reached out to the guy to let him know. He replied, oh yeah, my bad. I was taking meds for it. So I thought I was good. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) Oh man, this is a great story. A responsible girl would have blocked his number, but I, of course, wanted to relive that magical feeling you get when you hook up in another country. Except LA is not another country. It's LA, and there was nothing magical about round two. I showed up at his apartment to find that he had two pet rabbits. It was cute until I woke up in the morning to find my skirt and top full of little holes. They looked like pieces of Swiss cheese. What the fuck, I said to the guy. If you leave your clothes on the ground, the rabbits eat it, he said, barely opening his eyes. Of course they do. Oh, yeah. And I got chlamydia again. I thought that was... <laughs> this girl, your life is so hard. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, I thought that was the end of my storybook romance until he called me a week later, sounding super serious. Apparently, he'd overstayed his tourist visa by six months and was afraid of getting back sent back to Sweden. So, um, this is kind of awkward, he said, but how would you feel about a temporary marriage? Yes, the Swedish guy I banged once in Costa Rica, who gave me chlamydia twice and whose rabbits ate my clothes, was now proposing to me over the phone. I didn't know if I should be flattered or throw myself off a cliff. I obviously said no. I took a little break from press trips after that. Jeez. Girl. (laughs) I want to be friends with this girl. She sounds fun. And irresponsible. Wow, I mean, what do you think about that, huh? Twice, two times, same guy. You know, there is something strange about travel where you suddenly meet someone and you're like, oh, this is so exciting and beautiful and glamorous. I'm like, oh, we have this romance. And then it's gone. I feel like this is a textbook fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me scenario with this whole chlamydia thing, right? (laughs) I think the real question here, though, is what single straight man owns two rabbits? That's what I'm wondering. Maybe that's a Swedish thing. I don't know. Honestly, I love rabbits. If I were to get a pet right now, it wouldn't be a dog or a cat. It would 100% be a rabbit. So I don't know. I'm team Swedish guy on this one. Minus the chlamydia. Chlamydia aside. Chlamydia twice aside. Girl, you got yourself a story. That's going to be one of those things you talk about when you're like 60 and you're like, Back in my day, I got chlamydia twice from traveling, and there was a rabbit that ate my clothes. Like, oh yeah, great story to tell your grandkids. You know, I don't, I don't see a problem with this. Good job, listener. You're living your best oh, life. Oh yeah, we are not here to judge. Where is? Can we get like a? I want to know where is chlamydia girl now? Oh no, chlamydia girl. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sure that's what all that. our friends call her. I'm sure you're amazing. Also, I'm sure you love romance, and I hope you found it in another trip. Well, hey, if this podcast is still up and running in like two years, I'll do a where are they now segment yes oh man chlamydia girl got chlamydia six more times since we last spoke and yeah it's going well is now married to swedish guy and there are many more rabbits a whole farm maybe that's where they'll be well thanks for reading you did a great job much more energy than uh, me or tim would have brought to the story for sure no doubt if you need someone to just casually read listener stories, that brings me a lot of joy. Yeah, oh, just yeah. pop in every week for five <laughs> minutes and give our yep, listener stories great. a professional touch. I'm so I'm here down. for that. Well, thanks so much for being here, Melanie, and dredging up all my embarrassing press trip moments. Thank you for having me. You guys are fantastic. Thanks, Melanie. Great to meet you. <laughs> Y'all are amazing. I hope you have a good rest of your day.
All right, Sam, I hope you're ready because it's time for our lightning round and I have got some pretty hard-hitting, intellectual, highbrow questions for you. All right, sounds good, bud. Question one, if someone paid you $10,000, would you post a nude photo on Instagram? Front or back? Obviously front, come on. Um, yeah, sure. And think about this because anyone can see it. Friends, family, PR people, your fucking minister, if you care about that kind of thing. Anyone. Just it's up there, public forever. I would say generally, yes. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't do it if I'm representing some kind of a product or some sort of a... The product is you, Tim. Just pure, good old-fashioned objectification. I don't know. I don't have any problem with the human body. I'd take $10,000. Perfect. Would you rather have the middle seat on a three-hour flight between two morbidly obese people or a six-hour bus ride with the whole row to yourself? No question I'd rather have a six-hour bus ride. So double, double the travel time. Yeah, because this is the thing. I take bu- I, I bus around Colorado a lot on the bus staying, and they have Wi-Fi, so I just sit there and work. I get like a full day of work done between Grand Junction and Denver. Okay, so even if you have no work to do, you're just bored, tired, waiting to... Can you, can you sleep on planes? Are you one of those people that can sleep on planes? On a long haul, I don't generally sleep on you know domestic flights, but if I'm flying to Asia or Europe, yeah, I can sleep for a while. I, could, I don't know about on a bus. I've never tried to sleep on a bus. All right, so Tim would pull a peasant move and take the bus. Next question. If you could download Tinder in any country in the world, where would you do it? Canada, for sure. Yeah. Canada? Why Canada? I've spent a fair amount of time there, and uh, I think the Canadian accent is attractive. And I like Canadian girls. They're friendly. British Columbia? I would say BC is probably my style. All right. I'll preface this question by saying that Tim is the world's biggest Blink-182 fangirl. The question is, your wife was never born or Tom DeLonge was never born? Pick one. Oh, God. You know, I think in the interest of making myself a better person, my wife has had a, bit, a bigger impact, so I would, I would pick her. I, see, I thought this was, could, could be a toss-up. I wouldn't have been surprised at either answer, I guess is what I'm saying. But I mean, I did get my lip pierced, you know, specifically because of Tom. And uh, he's probably a big reason why I chose to play the guitar over the bass or another instrument. So, okay, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'd have to give my wife the benefit of the doubt. All right. Well, let the record show that you said, I don't know twice and spent three quarters of the question talking about Tom. Um, okay, next question. What would it take for me to get you to tattoo no blackout dates on your lower back? If we get 10 million downloads. <laughs> I'll 10 million I'll downloads. Okay. I was going to say, if, you know, if, it was, if, it was, if I could choose the location, a million. But lower back, I don't know. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a tramp stamp kind of guy. Could have fooled me, Tim, but Okay. Consider that a call to action, everyone. 10 million downloads, and Tim will tattoo no blackout dates on his lower back. And he'll post a photo to Instagram completely nude. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously that would have to go on Instagram. I don't know about the nude. Me, I guess I would have to be showing some skin for people to see that. So, All right, that's all I got. All right, you're up. First, first question. Grossest thing you've ever seen at an airport? 
Oh, a guy urinating in the fucking uh, uh, water fountain. It was in, in Puerto Rico at like three in the morning. And I, th- I swear to God, there was maybe four people in this entire airport. And this guy, he I looked homeless. So I don't even know if he was a passenger, but he was just like in a corner, like thought he was filling up his water bottle. He was not filling up anything. He was making a deposit. Did anything happen to this guy? Did he get arrested? No, no. There, I don't. He, I'm sure, would have if there was a, a one of the security guys had walked by. But no, he just went about his business, and I didn't even get a good look at him. I was hoping he'd walk by by me, but so I could just see what kind of character this was. But no, he just went along on his way, and I didn't see him again. I think he was. I think he came in off the street or something. It was literally like four in the morning. Nobody was there. That's crazy. When you meet somebody you're interested in while traveling, say at a bar or a dinner party or something, what is your go-to move? <laughs> I say, hey, have you met Tim? <laughs> so say say you're at a bar, and this, I guess this wouldn't even have to be traveling, but say you're at a bar and you notice a girl giving you the eye. What what's your What's your next move? Assuming I'm like alone too, because if I'm traveling for like work... I'm usually, you know, on a pressure by myself and out by myself. I kind of just like call out the awkwardness of my situation. I just say like, I, uh, I am here for work. Don't know anyone. Um, they want to sit here like a weirdo and uh, just want to say hello. So what's up? How are you? That's it. Yeah. I'm envisioning you sitting at the bar by yourself drinking Jack Daniels. To try to pretend to be anything other than like a guy who's there by himself, who's clearly like not sometimes not from that country that's going to come up pretty quickly anyway so i think it's better to just call it out and be like you know what i'm here i'm by myself i'm not that awkward guy in the corner sitting by himself i want to talk to you you look cute and friendly so what's up that's it yeah no i i think that's legit that's a good line because you don't come across too strong you come across as honest and humble yeah i i don't know i think in general i think lines don't work at all ever you know because girls are smart enough to to see through that stuff. So I will say that some towns are better than others when it comes to welcoming you into a social circle. Like, for example, when I was in Bangkok, uh, my wife and I went out to this bar. It, we thought it was going to be a live music venue, but it ended up being a nightclub for teenagers. <laughs> uh, you misread that one, huh? And so we're in there. And this place is packed, like to the brim, it's packed. We can't even sit at a table or anything. We're just standing in like a walkway full of people with drinks in our hand. And finally, we're by ourselves for a good 45 minutes just standing there. And the entire time, there's a guy sitting alone at a table like this maybe 19, 18-year-old kid. That was me, dude. That was me. Yeah, it might have been. There was probably five chairs there with him. He has an entire bottle of whiskey, of, of, of Blue Label, on the table He's sitting there drinking it by himself. He finally motions to us in Thai to come and join him at his table. And we sit there and he pours us a drink and we're hanging out and we're like, okay, this is pretty cool. Like this guy's friendly. We can't really talk to him much. He spoke a little English and we spoke no Thai. So there was not much communication going on, but at least we looked like we were part of something. But then his group of friends showed up out of nowhere, like six people come up to the table and he booted us off. So we were like part of the crew of his crew. And then, but as soon as his actual crew showed up, we were. You kind of have to respect that though. He was like, you know what? I need these two guys as these two people's placeholders to make it look to the, to the crowd that I'm not a loser. And now that my friends are here, 
don't need you anymore. You're cut. Yeah. Was that in uh that was in Bangkok, you said? It was in Bangkok, yeah. It was at this nightclub off Khao San Road. I was gonna say my, one of my weirdest nightlife experiences was on Khao San Road. And so I was with my buddy and his girlfriend, who is Thai. And I I was sitting there and looking around and I'd be like, okay, like that girl's cute. Um, and the girl, my buddy's girlfriend would be like, lady boy. And I'd be like, what? Like, no, she's not a lady boy. Come on. She'd be like, nope, lady boy. And I, I said, like, okay, okay, okay. So I'm like, I'm going to focus. I'm going to sit there and look, look around again. Like, all right, like her, like she's hot. She's that, that, that's a girl, right? Looks at me again. She's like shaking her head. Nope. Lady boy. But seriously, credit to them because they do a phenomenal job on whatever those surgeries are that they do. But like anyone who wants plastic surgery in the US, just fucking go to Thailand because they have perfected that art. I'm very impressed. <laughs> that was the last question. All right. Well, that does it for the lightning round. And that does it for this episode of No Blackout Dates. Thank you for listening. Make sure to check back in next week and every week for brand new episodes guests and make sure to subscribe for the latest content and i mean leave us a note in the reviews on how much it would take for you to tattoo no blackout dates on your lower back because i mean we're a new podcast and we uh can't take any marketing options off the table right now tell your friends tell your neighbors tell your pets tell your favorite child and if you hated this podcast tell your enemies and if you have no sense of shame Email us your craziest travel stories at noblackoutdatespod at gmail.com and we might have a guest read it on air. That's all from us. We'll see you guys next time.